Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of the Surpassing Worth podcast. We hope you enjoyed our little new intro beat there. We're really trying to uh, rev this uh, production up. <laughs> Jordan yeah. actually found that one. I'm impressed with, with that one. That's... Quite literally the first MP3 intro thing you can find online for free. So <laughs> very, very, you know, unique. But We're starting out cheap, you know, the budget's pretty low for this one. So. <laughs> At this point, yes. <laughs> so, but no, we are glad to be back again for the second episode. And uh, we welcome you. And so for the next couple episodes, we are going to uh, look at the person of Jesus. And uh, we want to kind of walk through his life. And uh, we want to just walk through the gospel and uh, really the kind of the foundational uh, pieces to the Christian faith. The Christian faith is one that uh, is very in your face, if you might say that. Um, the verse that kind of stood out to me uh, right before we actually came on the air here, or not the air, but started recording, was in Matthew, where um, it says, You shall call his name being talked to Mary here, uh, says, you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. And if you let that, that sink in a little bit, that is an amazing thought. So that is what we are going to uh, be going through in the next couple episodes. Uh, just talking about who Jesus is and his life and his work. And uh, I think we will see some pretty great things when we get into the scriptures. So we are going to just go right ahead and jump to John 1. I think that is a great starting point for talking about who Jesus is and... Uh, this first episode, we just simply want to talk about Jesus as a part of the Trinity, uh, the deity of Jesus. And I think that is brought out in John, the Gospel of John, very clearly. And so we're going to spend some time in John here in this episode. And I'm just simply going to read the first couple verses here. In John, and then we'll start discussing it. So John 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we get a very clear picture, and it's, it's, a, it's a reference back to, to Genesis 1. If you go back and you read Genesis 1, the wording sounds extremely similar, doesn't it, Jordan? 
Yeah, 100%. And actually, just this past Sunday, I heard a sermon on John 1, 1 through 5. And before the sermon time, there was a scripture reading and an Old Testament and New Testament reading. And the first reading was Genesis 1, 1 through 5 and John 1, 1 through 5. And I was struck by the similarities and just how important Genesis 1 is to John here and what he's doing and what he's showing us about Christ. Um, locating the beginning of this is, is putting Christ before creation, right? In the beginning with God, as God, um, before creation actually even is, is accomplished. So yeah, I can't, I, I think that John is definitely drawing on Genesis one at this moment. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the two words that, that I would key in are, are seemingly insignificant words but they're just, they're simply the words was and with. Uh, in, in the first verse, it says the word was with God and the word was God. So you see, you see, in essence, he was God, but also the, the differentiation between the word and the father. Um, and so... Yeah, we just want to simply, in this episode, talk about the deity of Christ, how he was God. At his very core, he was God. Uh, and, and that's been debated uh, very fiercely through much of church history, is the deity of Christ. A lot of, a lot of people have tried to separate the, uh, the deity of Christ from the person that was here on this earth, God with us, uh, over 2000 years ago. And so, um, yeah, we want to just read some scripture and discuss a little bit about why we believe that Jesus was God. Um, do you have anything to say before we go on to some other scriptures? You mean about John one specifically? Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing that really struck me, this past Sunday as during that sermon was the contrast between Genesis one and John one, Genesis one, one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when he read that, I was struck by the fact that everything in this universe, everything that exists, that we see experience, even ourselves, all that is God, it's less than God. He is sovereign over it. He created it. He is the only one who has complete and total self-dependence. And, and then he, out of his complete and total self-dependence, his, his, his own fullness, he creates. And then to jump over here to John 1, 1 through 5, and to see that Jesus himself is God, right? He is with yeah. the Father, and he himself is God. So, and then, and then in verse three, it jumps into creation, the father creating through the son. So Christ himself is God, is sovereign over the entire created universe. And that's what it means, at least partially, to be God. And that, that really stands out to me that, that John locates the word in the beginning with God and as God. All that God is, the, the, the word is um, and then he says all things were made through him. So he's he's talking about before God created the heavens and the earth. Um, 
yeah, it's it's truly astounding stuff. The the that Christ is God. He is the Word from before all eternity, from before all creation. Right, and and if you if you as a Christian, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, and you're thinking, okay, uh, yeah, I know all this. This is great. Um, that's where I was a uh, couple years ago. Where this, I think, actually, this doctrine of Jesus being fully God, and then the incarnation, I think, was maybe what the Spirit uh, most heavily pressed on me uh, just a couple years ago. That I think radically changed the way that I perceive who Christ is and the purpose of. Uh, him coming to earth. Um, just simply things like he says, uh, no one takes my life, but I lay it down. Uh, that's coming from his, his sovereignty as God. He was completely sovereign. And so no one takes his life. He laid it down. He could have called legions of angels. Um, but, but he graciously gave his life. So uh, don't, don't write this off as being just something, you know, foundational that you just, you've known your whole life. I think let it, let it marinate, um, consider it, and uh, bask in the beauty of it. Because there's, there's so much beauty in, in knowing that Jesus is fully God. Um, so I think... There's a couple other uh, scriptures that I wanted to to get to. Uh, Colossians 1 is a big chapter uh, dealing with who Jesus is. And I just want to read verses 15 and 16. Say this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So back in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. So once again, Matthew, the first verse that I read, uh, God with us. We have, we have been given an image that has been put in human flesh. And maybe this will kind of coincide with the next episode when we talk about uh, Jesus the man. But uh, the fact that he was the image of the invisible God is uh, astounding uh, to me. Uh, also, Hebrews... One, uh, I'm just going to read that as well, and then Jordan, I'll, I'll let you make any comments you want to make. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 say, says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image 
of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So here we see the son through whom the world was created. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So uh, very, very much kind of in your face. Jesus was here. We behold him as the image of God. <clears throat> and that's just amazing to me. Yeah, for sure. And I think that theme, actually, you can see it in John 1. So Jesus, the word was in the beginning with God, was God, was one with God in nature. And then you move on down to verse 18. It talks about, well, first before that, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this, this eternal word, this eternal God became flesh to dwell among us. And we have seen his glory, glorious of the only Son from the Father. And then, verse 18, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Um, that Jesus has made the Father known perfectly because he is himself divine. He is himself God who makes the Father known. He says in John 14 to Thomas, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, right? And so... Jesus, who is God, who shares a nature with the Father, then comes and shines the glory of God perfectly and completely. He is himself the exact radiance of the glory of God. And when we see Jesus, when we um, get to know Jesus, we are getting to know God himself. Um, for he is God and he shows us the Father perfectly. Yeah, and I like, I like how Jesus... It's kind of humorous to me how Jesus responds to Thomas in that situation. He's just like, Thomas, haven't you been with me for however many years? <laughs> it's like, uh, Thomas, you know me, you know the Father. <laughs> and I mean, pe people want to uh, make the Father out to be this uh, grump or this <laughs> this guy that's up in the sky that's ready to strike you with judgment and that Jesus is the you know forgiveness and lovey type but the scripture is clear that that is not the case Jesus is the exact imprint of the father's nature so um, you you can't you can't see uh, you can't see Jesus and then claim that the Father is in somehow some different uh, type of character than the Son. It's just impossible to do that. Yeah. And, in fact, I've just written down several of the places in the New Testament where the authors use Old Testament passages and apply them to Christ. So in our, in our culture and today, you might have people who say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the God of the Old Testament because he is mean and scary and all of this. Well, the New Testament authors use Old Testament passages about Yahweh, that is the name of God, the name of the Lord, and applies them simply, easily, without even much 
thought about it to Christ. That's how easily it's just a part of their worldview. So examples of this, Romans 10, 9 through 13, where Paul talks about those who call on the name of Christ will be saved. And then he uses Joel 2, 32, where it says those who call on the name of the Lord, Yahweh, will be saved. Um, Hebrews 1, 10, which talks about Jesus in creation, your hands, O God, have have laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens. I don't, I'm not quoting it exactly. That's a quote from Psalm 102, 25 through 27, which is obviously Yahweh, the Lord, doing this creating. And then obviously Philippians 2, 10 through 11, that Christ will be exalted, right? He has raised him above every other name that is named, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And then if you compare that to Isaiah 45, 22 through 23, it's Yahweh, the Lord, saying, to me, every tongue shall come and confess. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess to me. Um, and I love this one as well. First, pre, first Peter 3, 14 through 15, um, where Peter is talking about honor the Lord Jesus as holy in your hearts. And then if you go and compare it to Isaiah 8, 12 through 13, which you should do on your own time, it's very clear that he's pulling from Isaiah talking about people fearing and honoring Yahweh, the Lord. So all of these different ways that the New Testament authors make it very clear that Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just, um, you know, a great teacher. He is himself Yahweh, the Lord, God embodied, incarnate, right? Um, and no one can say, I love the God of the Old Testament, but I don't love Jesus. If you say that, you you don't understand who Jesus is, and most likely don't understand the God of the Old Testament either. Um, right. Because, yeah, I think a lot of people look at the things um, in the Old Testament and they don't actually understand maybe what's going on in the heart of God that's being shown in a lot of those things. Right. So that that leads us right into John 8. Uh, John eight fifty eight. 58. Uh, so by that, you're saying, Jordan, that... Uh, that Jesus is, uh, I mean, we we could get into into shadows and types that are in the Old Testament at some point of of Jesus, but John eight fifty eight is, I think, the the clearest uh, statement that Jesus makes that he in fact is. God, that he is, has, has full, uh, rights as deity to deity and that he in fact is on the same level as God. He is eternal. Uh, maybe there's going to be some Jehovah's witnesses that listen to this. Uh, Jesus is in fact eternal and he makes that claim right here in John 8. Um, and I'm just going to read John 8. I'm going to read uh, 57 to 59. It says this, and Jesus is in the middle of a, of a big discussion with the Jews uh, about Father Abraham, the, the biggest figure in, in the Jewish history. Uh, verse 57 says this, Then the Jews said to him, Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, 
I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So, the Jews took up stones to throw at him. Why did they do that? Uh, the Jews knew exactly the claims that Jesus was making, I think. Uh, he says... He says, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And, and I encourage you to go read this passage uh, as you're listening to this. And, and, and maybe read earlier in the passage to get some context. Uh, but Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Well, that, that name, I am, refers us back to Exodus 3.14, where God is speaking to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses asks him, what, who shall I say sent me? I, I know that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what's your name? Who are you? And God tells Moses, he says, go and tell them that I am sent you. I am who I am. And that, <laughs> funny, funny uh, little tidbit here. I, when I got married, I, I used to say the phrase, it is what it is a lot to my wife. Uh, you know, there'd be a situation come up and I would say, well, it just is what it is. And that, that drove her crazy. And I actually just asked her this evening, why exactly does that drive you crazy? And she said, because, because it makes you feel, you usually say that whenever it's something that's not quite exactly as you want it. You say, well, I guess it is what it is. And she said it makes her feel like you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. And, and that doesn't feel good. Well, that's kind of, kind of, it's kind of like what, what God told Moses. I am who I am. You can't change me. I am not dependent on anything outside of me. I am completely uh, self-sufficient. Um, everything else that you see, Moses, you yourself, is dependent on me. I am the center of everything. Uh, I, I just am. And that's what Jesus is telling these Jews right here. Before Abraham was, I am. It's, we can maybe look at it as like in, in temporal uh, elements where he's saying, we could just think he's just saying, well, I was before Abraham, which that's part of it. But he's also saying, I am God. I am self-sufficient. I am dependent on no one. And the Jews took up stones to throw at him. They knew exactly what he was claiming. Yeah, and why does Jesus say, I am, rather than I was, right? He's obviously making more than just a claim of pre-existence of Abraham. Then he could have just said, I was. But instead he says, before Abraham was, I am, right? He's clearly hearkening back to that passage in Exodus 3, 14, 
God is who he is. That is his name. He is Yahweh, the Lord. And that's who Jesus is. He's claiming to be God here. Mm-hmm. And right. um, that's an, uh, that, that's astonishing. That's astounding. And um, yeah, I, I, I think you're completely right. The Jews understood what he was saying and they picked up stones to stone him. Yeah, and and so there are people that certain religions that that don't that don't think Jesus was fully God, uh, but they'll make these claims that that as you said, I think earlier that he was just a good prophet, he was a good man, he was a good teacher, folks. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus was claiming. And they picked up stones to throw at him. I think the Jews honestly had a little a little bit better of a, a view of who Jesus was than even some today that claim that Jesus wasn't God or that he never made the claim that he was God. At least the Jews knew knew what he was claiming. Yeah, and you're completely right. I mean, down through the history of the church, you have the Arians, right? Mm-hmm against Athanasius, they were claiming that Jesus was a great and first creation of God, which sounds an awful lot like the Jehovah's Witnesses today, right? Right. right. So if you ever interact with Jehovah's Witnesses, um, you know, they're going to be saying a lot of the same things that Arians were saying back in the fourth century. So the... The efforts to detract from the glory of Christ is not a new thing. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism, which places Christ in a pantheon of gods, and he's nothing extremely special. And in that fact, neither is God, the Father. Um, right. It, all of these heresies, all of these things are essentially at their heart detractions and takings away from the glory of who Christ is, Right. And the scripture is given to us to point us to the truth of Christ, to exalt him, to put him on the highest place. And that's hard for us as humans to to receive. And so sometimes we buck against that and we don't receive God's word. We don't submit to Christ and his lordship. Right. And the, the Jews, it says the Jews picked up stones to throw at him. Folks, you're either, Jesus claimed he was God. You're either going to hate him and want to throw stones at him, or you're going to bow and worship him. And all other all other ideas of who Jesus is, just frankly, are not accurate ideas of of who Jesus himself claimed to be. And and this this idea that that Jesus was like a first great creation or something like that. Jesus, with this statement, I am, is saying, I, I was not dependent on anyone to create me. Uh, I am self-sufficient. And so I think this, this verse, once again, uh, could refute a Jehovah's Witness uh, declaration that Jesus was some created being. Uh, and it's... This is, this is the beauty of the deity of Christ, is that we, as Christians, serve an all-sufficient uh, God who had no beginning 
and no end. And this, this man, this, uh, this man walked on the earth with us for 33 years. Uh, and, and we will, we'll get into that more next week, but, uh, it's going to be kind of crazy to be able to trace the family lineage of Jesus, you know, Matthew, beginning of Matthew. That's insane that, that the, that the self-sufficient, never beginning, never ending word of God is etched in human history in the genealogies of man. Uh, it's just crazy. But that's for next week. Yeah, so next time we'll get into some of the the unbelievable beauty of this eternal word becoming flesh and dwelling among mm-hmm. us. And look forward to that for sure. But before that, I, just for this episode, we want this to equip you as a Christian both to worship Christ as God and also to be equipped to share your faith and to explain to others why do you believe that this man is God and and where do you see that in the Bible? So the Bible is full of clear evidences that Jesus Christ is not just a man, but he is God. He is the God-man. And one book that I would really plug um, for looking more into this and it seeing the biblical witness and what it's saying. Obviously a book is, is inferior to scripture, but it, as it points us to scripture, that's where it has value. And this book, putting Jesus in his place, the case for the deity of Christ by Robert M. Bowman Jr. And J. Ed Komashevsky. I think I pronounced that name, right? Is a wonderful book um, that will help you to see how Jesus Christ truly is God. And it does it in a, in a in a really helpful way using an acronym called hands um h-a-n-d-s showing that jesus is god from the scriptures because he has the h honors due to god and the a attributes of god and the names of god deeds that god does and the seat of god's throne so it just goes throughout all of the New Testament and it makes it very clear from all of Scripture that Jesus Christ, not just because the, the New Testament uses the name God of Jesus, but because of many other things in the Bible, makes it clear that Jesus Christ is God. And I just want to also give you some, some references to look up as you think about sharing your faith with others. 2 Peter 2.1, Titus 2.13, and Romans 9.5, all of these apply the title Theos, which is God, to Christ. And so often the, 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 the Greek word Theos, which is just translated God, is applied to the Father. But there are these places in the New Testament where the authors simply and without hesitation apply the title to Christ as well. And so that's another evidence, of course, um, that Jesus Christ is God. And also, just kind of rounding out this time, I think of several places in the New Testament that are just massive when I think about Christ being God. And that's Colossians 1.19 and 2.9. And both of them talk about this idea that in him, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. So in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of what it means to be God dwells bodily. He is a man, but he is fully and totally God at the same time. 
And then I also think just just one of my personal favorites in Revelation, where in chapter 5, 11 through 14, we read that the Father is receiving glory in the throne room of heaven, right? And then the author of Revelation looks and he sees a lamb as if slain. And we read the nations, the multitudes are giving praise and thanks to the lamb. In verse 12 of chapter 5 in Revelation, it says, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Christ is worthy of all of these things. And then the really astonishing thing, verse 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Christ is not just some man. He shares in the very glory and worship that God the Father receives. It says, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They are the united receivers of our worship, of our praise, of our blessing and honor and glory and might. And that's an astonishing thing. And it's just, I just wanted to to point out some of those different things um, before we move on. Yeah, and I think uh, that's all great. And I would highly suggest you look those references up and maybe give the the book a try. I think I think we will close with that. I think uh, we will head out and uh, we will do another episode next week, and we will try and cover the incarnation, the uh, the fact that this man Jesus uh, was made himself a man. He was uh, he took on the form of a servant. And came in the likeness of men, as Philippians says. So, uh, and we will, yeah, we look forward to doing that one. And uh, so, I just want to go out with this verse from John 17. Uh, John seventeen five. Jesus is praying to the Father uh, towards the end of his time here. He says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And I think that's incredible that uh, Jesus requested that the Father glorify him, or, um, yeah, glorify him uh, with the glory that he had with the Father before the world was. So with that, we thank you for listening, and uh, we will... Be back again next week.